Thank you for the, this opportunity to share this with you today. So what he'd like to share with you is uh, information about the nature of the Satipatthana practice, Vipassana meditation. And one of the main things he wants to talk about is not so much the practice, but what should be our understanding of practice, what are the right ideas behind practice, what are the right attitudes to the practice of meditation. เนาะปฐมมดิเทชั่นสุเลยอดิเบกอีเปียวเปียวๆเนาะเตยอาถุตะบาลุตะเลยสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุสุ
The first one, Sutra Mayapanya, we'll just call it information. The second one, we'll call it intelligence. And the third one, we'll call it insight. Is that easy? If someone has no information about something to do or somewhere they are, he says then they won't know what to think about that task and they also won't know how to approach that task. So it's important to have information and it's also important to have right information so that we can think right. So in the practice of meditation also, he says, we can do right practice or wrong practice. But we need to have information about what is right practice or what is wrong practice. He says, when we practice meditation and we have a lot of desire to achieve something, we have a lot of greed towards the practice, would that be right practice? No. Or we're very dissatisfied with our practice. We are disappointed with what's happening as it is. Would that be right practice? Have you ever come across times when you're practicing and you just don't know what to do anymore? <laughs> and what do you do? <laughs> Charge. Just go for it. Whatever. <laughs> he says, but if we don't know what to do, but we just kind of flounder or, you know, just do something, he says, that's delusion at work. So when we're practicing um, and we're operating from greed or delusion or aversion, he says, then we can't call it right practice. So only someone who has information, has heard information about what to do in these situations, he says, um, then when they don't know what to do, they can choose to think about that information and learn how to apply it, then you will call it right practice. So all the things he will say is this kind of information that you'll be able to use. So these are things that he's understood are important for meditation and this is what he'd like to share with you. And the first thing he would like to talk about is the difference between two kinds of meditation that we know about. One is called samatha or concentration practices or tranquility meditation. The second is vipassana meditation which we know as inside meditation. He says um, the difference between these two practices is that they have different objectives and because they have different objectives um, the ideas behind the practice become different the style of practice become different the kind of effort you apply to the practice becomes different and um, the, the way you practice will become very different the objective of samatha meditation or concentration meditation is samadhi, concentration, jhana, sorry. And the objective of vipassana meditation is insight, wisdom or understanding. What do you want? Both. Both? <laughs> If we want jhana, we want one-pointed concentration, he says then you can get that, but wisdom won't arise. So 
So, but there's a difference between the two, and we can choose to use them at appropriate times when each is needed for its own. He says, so if you want wisdom, but you're practicing in a way that only develops concentration, you might calm down um, and feel collected, but wisdom won't arise. And then what happens after an extended period of that is you get sleepy. In samatha meditation, in concentration meditations, the emphasis is really on the object that we observe. But in vipassana meditation or insight meditation, the emphasis is really on the mind and especially the mind that is doing the meditation. So it's really a checking to see whether that mind that we're using to practice meditation has the right attitude or wrong attitude. He says because for the practice in Vipassana meditation we want to develop more wisdom and understanding. He says to grow wisdom we have to invest wisdom. If you practice with only greed, wanting, aversion and delusion, he says you're not going to develop more wisdom. So there needs to be concern with, uh, there needs to be checking for whether the mind is actually practicing with some wisdom or whether only greed or aversion or delusion is operating. If the mind is holding a wrong idea, it has a wrong attitude and is trying to practice, he says, then it leads the rest of the practice astray too. He says, when you practice meditation, does it afford some relief or do you get more tired? He says, when we practice right, he said it brings um, well-being to the body and the mind and further wisdom develops. And for concentration meditations, he says the mind is kept on one object, one place. But for Vipassana or insight meditation, the mind is concerned with relating to all objects. Because the objective of Vipassana meditation is to develop wisdom. Because if you want to develop wisdom, he says the mind has to have a lot of information. Only when it has a lot of information, the mind can have a complete picture, and a complete picture gives the mind the ability to develop more wisdom. He says, if you have a matter at hand to deal with, he says, and you have only a little bit of information about it, you cannot bring, um, gain understanding about that that task. He says it's only when we have a lot of information and hopefully all the information about that, he says that we can um, make effective decisions about what we're doing. It's like being a manager at work. He says it's only when the manager has all the information about what's going on on the ground that the manager will know how to think and make effective decisions. Um, There is a hierarchy um, about information that he heard about at the New York Insight Society and he likes this model very much. Um, This lady explained it to him, I think she's in computers, she said she works with information. 
she said that information as she knows it is hierarchical. And first you gather data. You have little discrete forms, little bits of information, and that's data. When you have a lot of data, it becomes information because there's a, there's a pattern. When you have different streams of information um, feeding together, he says, she says, then there's different informations coming together, give you a more complete picture of how things affect each other. That she calls knowledge. And then she said, then when you have knowledge and a lot of knowledge, she said, you can choose then to manip manipulate things using your knowledge for a, for a beneficial purpose because you know now how things work. And so he's giving you information about, uh, about what he has understood, his knowledge and wisdom. He's giving you this, he said, so that you can learn how to um, use meditation to gather your own bits of data, to build your own information base and your knowledge to develop your own wisdom. So in the beginning, it's just a gathering of data for, for us as meditators, learning how the body works, how the mind works, and how they work together over a period of time. That's why he says for a Vipassana meditator, um, you need to be willing to observe and examine everything that happens in the body or the mind. Body sensations, feelings, mind, everything. Yeah, whether it's body sensations, mental feelings, activities of mind, everything. He says in Samatha concentration meditations, the mind grasps very firmly onto the object and tries to stay on the object for as long as possible. So there is a desire for permanence. So this is where Vipassana and Samatha meditation start to diverge very strongly. In Vipassana meditation, the mind doesn't want to hold on to any object. It's learning to let go. It doesn't want to hang on. So, so it's learning to be detached, to let go. Whereas... So, so in, in Samatha, in concentration meditation, the mind goes toward, or hangs on, whereas in Vipassana meditation, it lets go. And in that, he said, you can see that the energy that we need to use becomes very different to hang on to or just let go. So in Samatha meditation or concentration meditation, he said, there's a lot of efforting needed to hang on. Whereas for Vipassana meditation, you don't need to use any effort. He says you just need to use wisdom. Wisdom energy will go down. So he says in Vipassana meditation, what we need to use is our wisdom energy, not brute force. Because he says in Vipassana meditation, we want to grow our wisdom. So, for Vipassana meditation, you never want to practice in a way that makes the body or the mind tired. So you can take it easy, practice in comfort, relax, but you can't stop, he said, please. <laughs> <laughs> But, he says, when you're not going to attach yourself to whatever experience that you're observing now, he says, then it means that there is a willingness to relate to anything that comes up. Relate to anything. He says, when the mind targets something that it thinks it should be observing, he says the natural fallout is that the mind doesn't 
try to even see if there's anything else worth investigating. He said, let's try this again. He'll show you something else. And we put our hands together. He says, if we just look at the touching sensation, all we'll know is the hands are touching. But aren't there many, many other sensations there? Softness. Warmth. Some pulse, maybe. So if we just think we should pay attention to the touching sensation, then even though there is many other things there that we could notice, the mind doesn't even try to go there. So that's why he says, if we give ourselves a target, we say, this is what I should do. Then the mind doesn't try to see whether there's anything else possible. So he says, the spirit of Vipassana is really, I want to know what is here. Not trying to look for an experience that I want to see. He says, so in Samatha meditation, there is a, a wanting to see this, to keep an eye on just this particular object. But in Vipassana meditation, it's really, what is going on here? What is it? What is there? So the idea is very different. One is seeing what you want to look at. Um, the other is, looking to see what is there. Samatha meditation, concentration meditation, so he calls it a creating process because you're creating, you're moving towards a particular result. But Vipassana is a learning process. So, for example, when you do a concentration kind of samatha practice, he says, if the mind is not calm, you try to calm it down. If it's distracted, you learn how to gather it back. If you're angry, you try to stop being angry or get rid of the anger. That's a samatha or concentration kind of practice. But in Vipassana meditation, if the mind is not calm, you're not trying to calm it down. If the mind is angry, you're not trying to stop it from being angry. You're watching with the right attitude though, and wisdom, bringing these to bear on that experience of uncalmness or anger to see what is this, what is happening here. Right attitude, and it's only with right attitude that we can actually accept that this is happening and bring ourselves to watch it, just watch it, see what's going on here. And this is where right information becomes so very important. So, for example, he gives an example of right information. A lot of us have a problem with what we call wandering mind. But he'd like to give this sort of information. He says, when we notice, when we notice that the mind is wandering, he says, you don't call that wandering mind. You call that awareness of what the mind is doing. Um, you only call it wandering mind if you're so lost in thought that you don't know anything about it at all. You didn't, you, you're not there. That's wandering mind. But if you're recognizing this is what is happening with the mind at the moment, that means awareness is present. Yeah, he said this to someone here um, recently. He said, when there's greed and you're recognizing this is greed happening now, that's right view. And that person felt really relieved. 
And this is because he says this person before, whenever you know greed would arise and he would recognize, he would try not to be, not to have the greed. He would try to suppress it, and that was very uncomfortable. And having to go against the forces of nature is very tiring. But hearing this information, then he had a great sense of relief. Learning process. Learning process. So in samatha or concentration meditations, he says we need to focus a lot. But for vipassana meditation, there's no need to focus at all. You just need to know how to watch in a wise way. So when we meditate, he said, should we think or should we not think? What? Can't not. So, there is two kinds of thinking we have. What is passive and just goes on in the mind, and we can't help that, he said. But there is an intentional kind of thinking that we do, I think. And that sort of thinking, he said, you can choose. So for meditation, you choose not to think of things that are unhelpful, unskillful, um, perpetuating negativities, but you are going to think of things that are going to help you to practice in the right way. He says, when you do work anywhere, at home, at work, is there any kind of work you, you can do without thinking about it or knowing how to do it? He says the same with business. You can't run a business without thinking about how to do it. He says, you'll lose money. <laughs> so meditation is the same way. You have to use your intelligence, wisdom. He says, how to do this? What should I do? It should be really clear in the mind. That's why he says we need information. Mm. So he's given you this information about samatha and vipassana meditations so you can check yourself what have you been doing more of and notice for yourself in what way is the mind working. And then he's going to give you information about the five faculties. Do you all know about it? Yeah. It's five qualities of mind that are actually at work when we are meditating. And he's going to dis- define these five qualities for you. Very simply, I'll just give them the, you the five before he defines it. It's awareness, F, right effort, uh, samadhi, which he's going to define, um, uh, confidence. confidence of faith or trust and wisdom or understanding. So he said before that meditation is the cultivation of the good qualities of mind and these are good qualities of mind. And these are are qualities that you can be cultivating. He says, so whether you're progressing in meditation or not has nothing to do with those strange and wonderful experiences that we have. He says, we really gauge how we're doing in meditation by checking to see whether these qualities of mind, these good qualities of mind are increasing or getting more established in the mind. He says, so we haven't had, say we haven't had awareness before, we're getting more aware, slightly more aware. Or we have had some awareness, it's growing. Um, We haven't had uh, steadiness of mind and we find our mind getting steadier, that's samadhi. We are realizing things that we did not realize before. We're 
becoming motivated and more enthusiastic about doing things because we know how to do it more effectively. This is all good qualities of mind growing. A lot of people think the word mindfulness or awareness means that you focus onto something. But actually, he says, the right definition of the word um, awareness in Pali, it's sati. The right translation of it is just not forgetting to know yourself. He says, how much does this not forgetting, how much energy does it take? None. (laughs) This is one of the main things that he wants to really talk about, to decrease that efforting, that forcing. (laughs) He says it's because of that kind of efforting and forcing that we get um, tired, miserable. (laughs) We suffer. He says, so if you're even thinking about yourself, awareness is present. Mm. What am I doing now? How am I feeling now? Even just introducing that question makes you become aware of yourself. That's called right thought, he said. You can practice with right thought too. So when you're thinking about yourself, there is awareness. And there's no need to focus. The second thing is samadhi, which is usually translated as concentration. And these are the words he uses that these are the real definitions of samadhi. When the mind is relaxed, there is samadhi. When the mind is peaceful, when the mind is steady or stable, the mind has samadhi. He says, if we use the word concentrate, he says, think about this, just because we concentrate, does it necessarily mean that we develop concentration? A lot of people just get headaches. <laughs> they, they get what, what do you call it? Stiff shoulders, yeah, He says to really have samadhi, he says what the mind needs is just right attitude. When the mind really has right attitude, it's just stable. Um, and or when the mind is aware continuously, it also builds this stability. He says the moment we have greed, we're expecting something, we're wanting something a lot, he says there's no samadhi in the mind anymore. It's not stable anymore. He says there's two kinds of samadhi as well. One kind of samadhi, he says, we develop by, cons- by focusing on something very hard. And focusing in that way builds a one-pointed concentration. You become very focused in on one thing, but that sort of concentration doesn't have much wisdom or flexibility or agility in it. It's possible to focus so much that the mind becomes so focused in that the mind cannot think anymore at all. But then the wisdom has weakened at that time. The other kind of samadhi is where the mind has, for example, right information in the form of wisdom or the mind has already understood something for itself and has, has its own wisdom about something and therefore the mind doesn't react to a situation. It's not reacting which means that no greed or aversion is being brought to bear on the situation. Therefore, the mind is stable now. And that sort of samadhi is vipassana samadhi. 
And it's only from this kind of samadhi, he said, that deeper wisdom can arise. So he's really trying to say, we don't need a lot of concentrating. Effort. The third quality is right effort. And again, right effort, he said, is not about uh, putting in effort, not about focusing more, using more energy. It's really about patience and perseverance. It's not using a lot of your bodily effort to be there. He says, when you understand that this is beneficial and you want to do it always without resting, he says, that's right effort. He says, for vipassana meditation, right effort is really this always doing, always, always. He says, because it's only when you're always doing it that it can be a learning process. He says to really understand something deeply, even in other fields, and so too in meditation, he says only when you are in contact with that uh, subject all the time that you can really understand more about what's happening there. Now what we do is we want to invest a little time, a lot of energy, and gain something, and gain something <laughs> quick. <laughs> yeah, to get something from this. But he says when we are hoping for a result, that's greed at work. What wisdom does, he says, is wisdom finds out what are the conditions that lead to results? And all it does is try to fulfill those conditions. It works on the conditions. Mm. He says, He says, so... The spirit of effort in Vipassana is that it means you have to be doing it all the time or trying to be doing it all the time. He says a lot of people practice for many, many years and say they are not gaining anything from it. And he said this is really because they don't do it all the time. Because there is no continuity, no consistency. For people who go for a retreat and then leave the retreat, they lose the momentum, then go back for a retreat, gain some, get out of retreat, lose the momentum. And they just don't grow from that because they're not learning about it. Here, he wants to share with you how to practice, but he says you have to take it home and do the practice. He says the real place for practice is at home. <laughs> he says, do you, do you suffer? Are you miserable at, in retreat or are you miserable at home? <laughs> <laughs> he says it's only if we practice when we are really suffering that we'll get relief from the suffering. <laughs> he says, when do you take medication? When you're well or when you're sick? <laughs> so he really wants to um, help you to understand how to practice in a in a wise way, in an effective way, but but where, you, where, where, or when you have to do that practice is all the time. But he says if we use a lot of energy 
the kind of efforting that we understand, you know, using a lot of energy. He says, can we do something all the time if we use too much energy or have to? <laughs> he says, so one of the main reasons that yogis find they cannot practice at home is because they're focusing too much. He says, you're focusing too much. How can you drive a car? He says, a person who drives a car, all of you do, I guess, um, he says, you have to know everything, right? You have to know what's going on in front of the car, behind the car. You have to know what, what the engine sounds like. Many things when you're driving. But if, but if you focus on only one thing, he said, how can you drive? It'll be dangerous, right? He knows real life cases of people, you know, who've gone for a nine-day retreat, come out of it, and then had an accident because they were in zombie mode. Because they were focusing too much, so they were like zombies and couldn't snap out of it. He couldn't he couldn't tell the difference between a red light and a green light anymore. <laughs> and this is a real story, and he knows two people like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when he told this story about the person in Malaysia, another yogi uh, at the center of Sri Lanka, and he, he said, he was a psychiatrist, he said, yes, he had noticed the same thing himself every time he left a retreat, that he was running red lights. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't get into any accident. He said, so he's really afraid of this, what he calls heavy concentration. Because there is no wisdom in that kind of concentration. The mind cannot think of what is happening in the present moment in a, a rational or realistic way. Mm. So his, his emphasis, um, what he says is really useful for practice, especially at home and all the time, is wisdom and awareness, not concentration. And he says, just do what you can. Just do it, but do it consistently and relentlessly. And it's only when you've been going at it, going on and on and on and doing that over a long time, he says, you'll start to see the results that come from it. He calls that a snowball reaction. It's like a snowball running down a hill, going down a hill. He says, in the beginning, he says, letting that little snowball start running down the hill doesn't require any effort at all. But as it gains momentum, there's a huge energy that builds up. So long-term effort is very important. That's what right effort is. He said, please do it always. He says, so, you know, again he reiterates, if you use a lot of focusing or energy, how can we do it for a long time? So it's important to use our wisdom energy and to make it a long-term practice. And the fourth quality is confidence or faith or trust. So what you need is really faith in yourself and the work that you're doing. When you know that what you're doing is beneficial to yourself, he says, then your faith grows. <coughs> Confidence grows. He says, so he says, be interested in the work that you're doing and see how it's benefiting you. He says, so we're being aware, we're being mindful, we've been doing this practice. He says, do we know for ourselves how it has been changing our lives, how it has been beneficial? If we really know that it's beneficial, then of course we'll keep doing it. That means confidence is growing. So he, he says really, um, to be interested in the work itself, um, to investigate it, to examine it in a wise way. 
And the last quality is wisdom or understanding. And when he talks about wisdom or understanding, he said he's really not talking about um, high-flown um, insights, you know, vipassana insights or uh, meganyana, all these, you know, very uh, high insights. He's talking about the wisdom of understanding how to practice in, the, in a wise and effective way. Right way. No? In the right way. And learning how to become skillful. Becoming skillful is a kind of wisdom. He says when we don't have the wisdom of knowing how to practice in a skillful way, he says then the insights that are the results of that practice don't come. So he's talked about three categories of wisdom, information, intelligence and insight. And he says what we can bring to the practice of meditation is the first two we can apply information and our intelligence to the process of meditation and insights come later. When the con- right conditions come together, more wisdom or insight arises. He says the mind and body which is practicing. The mind. He says, but if we don't know this mind that is practicing, we don't know how much energy it is using, we don't know what ideas it is practicing with, we don't know what attitudes it holds, we don't know what beliefs it is holding. He says, how can we become pr- skillful when we don't know how the mind is using itself to practice. He says very often yogis say, oh I had a good meditation, oh I had a bad meditation. But if you ask them why, most people don't know why. He said it's really only the state of mind that determines whether something is a good meditation or a bad meditation. So he says, so don't be just interested in the things that we are observing. He said, be interested in the mind. We have to learn to recognize our minds. We should check it often to see what's going on there. So these are the five qualities of mind. Yes, and there are another three important points that he wants to talk about. Many, many things. <laughs> he said, because we need this information. Yeah. Yes. The first point is that continuity or consistency is important. Mm. He says, when is time to practice meditation? All the time. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) So we should consider from the moment we we awake in the morning till the time we fall asleep at night, time for meditation. He said, so the posture is not meditation. The posture doesn't determine that you are meditating. He says, it is awareness that is meditating. So if you try to consistently maintain awareness from moment to moment throughout the day, whenever you can, he says, then... You're meditating. He says, so one object is not important. It is not necessary to stay on just one thing. Whatever um, crosses the mind, if the awareness is always present to receive all things, 
And if you keep that awareness going as much as you can, you're cultivating that awareness. That's what's important. Movement on Lujana, no? Tabawa and Shibu Lujana. That's your armor side, armor side, I'm in a look. Tabawa energy Lujana. You look at energy, cannot wait. He says, because what we want to develop is momentum. And momentum, he says, you don't use a lot of energy, but you try to keep doing it consistently. And if you keep doing it consistently over a long period of time, it develops its own momentum. It grows a natural energy of its own. He says, the, en- the kind of energy that we put in personally, he says, we can only keep it up for so long. So it's not like a, like a haystack on fire or a straw on fire. It's like a burning ember. Or it's like running a marathon and not a hundred meter dash. So you don't have to be meditating. You could be walking, talking, showering, eating. Um, he says in any posture, you need to be aware. Then you're meditating. You might be sitting and sleeping or thinking. Then you wouldn't be meditating anyway. So the posture is really not the important thing. He says it's the mind that is working that is really important. So that's how And the other thing he says is that when um, there's continuity, he says then what happens is that the mind becomes able to see whole processes at work because the mind is consistently there it starts to see a whole pattern unfold and that's also when understanding or more wisdom can arise he says it's only when we have awareness all the time he says the mind gathers little bits of information here and there here and there and over a long period of time all this information comes together and makes a big picture and then we realize things that's why continuous or consistent practice is so important second important point is we don't need to focus or use too much energy he says just right now just become aware of yourself just like that what can you know what is you know the touching sensations? Temperature. Sound. Many experiences, many objects. But how much energy did you need to notice that? Is it difficult? Tiring? Just live like that all day. <laughs> just not forgetting not forgetting that's the important thing to be like that when we consistently keep trying not giving up doing this over a long period of time popularly, the momentum the momentum of doing that grows. He says, then you find naturally the mind comes back to it over and over again by itself. And then the mind gets stronger. And when the mind gets stronger, it can choose to know anything it wants to. Um, for meditation, he doesn't like to use the English words uh, concentrate, focus, penetrate. He prefers words like recognize, be aware, uh, observe, observe watch. watch, notice. Because <laughs> the quality of energy in these two kind, in these two categories of words, is very very different. 
you know, Vipassana is not tiring. <laughs> okay, the most important point is coming now. Third is the uh, right view. He says, do you know when you observe all these experiences of yourself, these objects, he says, what view you observe yourself with? Because he says, when we're watching with wrong view, it's not Vipassana practice anymore. When we watch ourselves, he says, there's basically only three things we, can, we come across. Body sensations, feelings, and mental activities. He says, and bodily, do we not experience hot, cold, warm, soft, hard, and so on? But are you the only one who experiences these sensations? Everybody has them. Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, feeling. What about feelings? Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Sad, happy. No? Sad, happy. Everybody feels them, right? What about mind qualities? Good mind states, bad mind states. Everybody has them. So take all this as nature. They are universal qualities. Instead of taking them to be mine, instead of identifying with them, take them to be qualities of nature. He said, has anyone here been angry before? And when you think, I'm so angry, does that make you more angry or less angry? <laughs> Why? Why does it make you more angry? You're frustrated that you're angry. You're frustrated. You're frustrated. He says, really it's because we're thinking, I am angry. Anger is a natural quality. Everybody has, everybody can experience it. He says, my anger and my dad's anger, which is worse? <laughs> anger is just anger. He says, we need to have this right view. Remember this right view. The anger is just anger. When we see it that way, the anger doesn't grow. It stays at that, at where it is. But if we identify it, it grows. So he says, it's, what we have to do, he said, is bring in right view first. Right view must come in and see that this is just what it is. And then you bring in awareness. He says when you bring in awareness with right view, that's when it's right awareness. He says our natural habit, a very strong habit, is to always see ourselves with wrong view. And that's so natural, so second nature to the mind to have wrong view. He says, what we have to do with right view is infuse it intellectually into the mind. Remind ourselves of the right view. He says, the meaning of vipassana is extraordinary seeing. And so we're going to learn to do that. We're not going to look from the ordinary view that we've always done, which is identifying with all the experiences. We're going to look at it from this extraordinary perspective now. Mm. 
He says, so if you take all these experiences that are manifesting in the body and the mind as nature, then you become nature. Who are you? He says, if you asked, who are you? What would you say? I'm nature. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you understand this in yourself, he says, then you can understand everybody else.